welcome to the Vibe Chat Podcast. My name is Chris Langley, owner of Vibe Speech Therapy, and today I'd like to talk about prefixes, root words, and suffixes. Now, these are a bit like parts of a puzzle, and in order to improve reading, spelling, vocabulary development, and comprehension, you do need to improve your understanding of roots and affixes. These little word parts provide actually a seemingly endless amount of ingredients for building and expanding literacy skills. And when we understand word parts, it's like unlocking a door to a wider perspective and it makes learning more fun and eventually and hopefully a lot easier. Now, of course, because I'm a speech and language therapist and a little bit of um, person who's crazy about words, I, of course, find this very enjoyable. And I try to impart that excitement. I think I do, but maybe it's not received as excitement (laughs) to all of my students and clients. So here we go. Um, Maybe can take a ride with me and uh, see what I want to uh, share with you about prefixes, root words, and suffixes. So one thing that's important to understand is that we have these three pieces of language. And at all levels, language is rule-based. And, you know, in English, we're always breaking these rules. But I say that all the time. But there are rules to language. So um, at the sound level, we call this phonology. And this refers to the sound system and um, how sounds are combined. And uh, just a kind of tangent for a moment, when we do articulation therapy, we're working just on the sound system with a child or an individual. This is what we're targeting. We're targeting that. It's not necessarily a language development or a language issue that they have, but phonological errors. And that refers to the sound system and how they're producing these sounds. Um, Of course, it's more complex than that, but that's the basic information there. And then at the word level, we're talking about morphology. That refers to the structure and the construction of words. Morphology skills require that you understand and use the appropriate structure of a word, such as their roots, prefixes, and affixes. And we call these morphemes. And when you have a strong knowledge of grammatical morphemes, such as using ing for present progressive and s to indicate a plural form or use of a verb tense correctly, um, it's necessary to have these well-developed morphological skills. So those are the first two. And the last one is syntax. And syntax refers to the word order and word combinations. And we use these, of course, when we're making you know, our phrases and sentences. So you can see how we use all of these together. And these form the building blocks of language. Um, there's a lot more that goes into language. Language is vast, but this is these are the basic um, building blocks. So now, if a child or an individual uh, who is not a child um, has morphological and syntax deficits, then you might notice a few a few things. So a few things could be going on, such as um, they might demonstrate inconsistent or incorrect word order when they're speaking. And we see this a lot. Uh, in kids or people who maybe had a traumatic brain injury or a stroke. Um, they could use a limited number of grammatical markers. For for example, maybe they're not using the ING or the possess- possessive markers could be out. We also notice this, and this is not um, 
a language disorder, it's a language difference when we have second language, whether it's um, a person who's a native English speaker trying to learn a foreign language to them, or a person who speaks maybe Spanish or you know, some some other language in California, we have a lot of Spanish speakers, um, and they're, they're learning English, the, again, they're those rules of the system. And so as they're acquiring and learning the language, they may not produce these morphological markers, as we call them. So a lot of times we do support around helping someone to acquire that. Another area is, um, let's say a person, an adult, let's say, is intentionally seeking um, a better use of the language system, the English language system, we'll say, and they want to modify their accent or something like this. And a lot of times the, these places, these morphological markers have to also be addressed in that case. So morphology is pretty significant in how we uh, express ourselves and, and how we expand our knowledge. And um, I'm going to share more about that as we are going along here with our roots and affixes. So just to give a little history, you know, um, these came from the Romans and the Greeks. Everyone, you know, you can see kind of, I can kind of visualize that middle schoolers eyes rolling back in their head as their teachers talk about, you know, Roman and Greek um, prefixes, suffixes, all these things, the root words, I'm sorry, the root words coming from them. And so, you know, but this is history. This is what they give us. And thank you. We just want to say a giant thank you to them for giving us this uh, linguistic system. We appreciate you. And it uh, gives us something to play with so we can grow our vocabulary and try to be more interesting and knowledgeable people. Um, so here we are. So every English word has at least one root, but it could have more than one prefix or suffix. So I want to give a couple of examples. So for example, if we have the word indestructible, we have prefixes in and d, and then we have unconvincingly, we have prefixes on and con, right? So and then on the for indestructible, we have a suffix ible, and for unconvincingly, we have a suffix ing and ly. So these prefixes and suffixes add so much. They change the word from destruct and convince. They're changing from in means not. Destruct we know is to take down, destroy. And able, able. So not able to destroy. So it's, it's for me, it's I'm not going to use the word fascinating, but I Sometimes in my mind, I think so, how we put all these things together. And we can see when a child is learning language or someone who has experienced a stroke or a traumatic brain injury, or maybe we can see also someone who um, is born with such cognitive deficits that they have, it's different than maybe um, a language. There's so many different language disorders, but different varying types of language disorder, let's just say. And you can see as the person is trying to recover or acquire their language, how fascinating it is to put these pieces together and to start stringing them along. I mean, you see parents go, oh, he's saying this or she's saying that or, you know, and they get so excited about it. It's because it is kind of exciting. You know, I, I join you in that. It's very exciting to put words together and to make it sound nice and to understand the meaning and then to be in the appropriate um, format of where you're using it and saying it and all that. So it's kind of amazing. So um, there is that. And when 
we have this goal in learning how words are built from these ancient languages. They are giving us all of these tools. Um, and it's another tool that provides kids with how to figure out unfamiliar words. So this is really, really big. And I teach this to kids all the time in so many different capacities. You actually, you know, in speech and language activities, you can use it because I think it's really important. Literacy is so important. And even if somebody knows how to read, there's always different aspects of literacy that are dynamic and growing. We're always learning new words, we hope. Um, you know, we're using them in different contexts. It's, it keeps our brain alive and, um, and, and engaged. And so when we're trying to help kids figure these things out, the number one direct route, oh, ha, sorry, that was, that was my punny aspect. So the, the, <laughs> the root word is the direct route to get there. Sometimes I get punny, but this is the way we go. So, and then when you add on your prefixes and suffixes, then you're just building and building and building. And you can say, okay, well, you know what this root word means. So there's that. Now you know what this prefix means and you know what this suffix. So you build this knowledge base of what they understand for these different parts. And then you just show them how they put it together. And a lot of times they're like, oh, they almost, as they're gaining this skill, they almost can't believe like, oh, it's that easy in a way, because they see this big word and they just blank out. But really all they have to do is just take it apart. It's just a simple taking apart. I think another thing that happens, I, I, I'm just going to say, this is my opinion. I think that what happens sometimes is that we think that we're supposed to be faster and better than where we are. And honestly, we're not. We're just supposed to be wherever we are. So when someone sees, let's just say like um, a teenager, let's just say, they see this word and they don't know what it is. They think they're supposed to be one place. So they have judgments about that. Then maybe they're with a couple of other students next to them. And then they feel the pressure and maybe someone gets it a little bit faster but you know what? It's okay. So I try to normalize all of that, help them to feel encouraged and just keep going on. The other thing with these, uh, when they start adding prefixes and suffixes, when they're in some sort of literacy task, they have to go slower. I don't know what it is where they think that a two, a one or two syllable word is supposed to be you know, it's the same pronunciation rate as for three and four. It's not. You have to take more time. If it's longer, you have to take more time to say it. That's just the way it goes. <laughs> you know, if you're gonna make if you're gonna make uh, you know a five course dinner, it's gonna take longer than two course. You know, it's it's just the way it is. So there's some funny psychology we have around what we think is supposed to happen and what actually works best. So just had to say that. I notice things all the time when I'm working with kids. Um, so there's tons and tons of lists out there. I mean, you could just, you know, do any search engine and it's going to come up oodles of lists with their affixes and their root words. And, you know, a lot of times you can memorize them, but you really, they'll just come with time. I, I tell kids, you know, it'll come over time. You'll just automatically, as you start using them. So that's the thing is to start using things that they don't normally use, but that are widely used, let's say. And then 
you know, they'll start to get used to it. Typically, these roots and affixes are taught in the middle elementary grades, but you can introduce them as young as eh, maybe kindergarten to some kids, but you need a visual. Um, I, I wouldn't say that they're going to commit it to memory, but they start to get it because they're using things in speech. It's just the recognition. And of course, the reading is at different rates when someone's in kinder. Sometimes we have kids who are off and running, and sometimes kids are struggling a bit for quite a while with their reading skills. So you can present kids with um, a few different options and, you know, or maybe just take note, what is my child saying if they're saying one or what's one that we use a lot when we're talking as a family or, you know, what does a teacher say? And then, you know, we could support them that way. Uh, but let's just dive into prefixes first, because, you know, they're the first ones out the gate if you're using it. So there's a few of them. I'll just say a few, you know, just as examples. So pre is the prefix, uh, means before. And in this case, the prefix goes before, goes before the root word. So that is one of them. Now, there's a lot of prefixes that mean not. So un means not, in means not, dis means not, there's, you know, there's more, im means not. So there's a lot of ones you can use in that position to mean the same thing. And the thing that's hard about those is that you can't just substitute them out. That's where it gets a little bit tricky. They said, well, I'll just use this instead of that. No, you can't. You have to, it has to fit the context. It has to fit the word meaning. And that's where shades of meaning of the words come in. So as you can see, it starts to get like a little bit sticky, a little bit stretchy. We're getting into these areas. They say, well, you can't, this is an idea and this is an idea, but they can't always swap ideas. So um, there is that to know about um, prefixes. Um, now, the thing is with um, the prefix, so the meaning of the root word will be changed. So in an example of the word ready, if I put un, unready, it means not prepared, not prepared to do something. So we've changed something from ready to not ready. And it's just by adding those two little letters. And as I was saying, you need to choose the right one. You have to pick which type of ready are you going for? All right. So that's the thing to remember with prefixes. Now with suffixes, they're not all the same. So some suffixes don't change the meaning of the original word. Um, an example would be every day I walk to school or yesterday I walked to school. The words walk and walked have the same basic meaning. I have one car, I have two cars. So the word car and cars is pretty much the same. Of course, one's plural and one's singular, but the meaning is the same. The suffix, the S on cars or the ED on walked, it didn't change the meaning of the root word. It changes the sentence because of the tense and plurality, but it doesn't change the meaning of the sentence. But there's a lot of suffixes that do change the meaning of a root word. Now, we're speaking about English language. So in other languages, I don't know. I'm not fluent in other languages. I know a little bit in a couple of other languages. But I'm not fluent in any other language. So I'm speaking specifically of 
English language, just to make sure that that we're clear on that piece, um, especially for this. So I want to give you an example. If I have a word music, and I want to add the suffix I-A-N, so I-A-N is one who is, and we know what music is. If we add it to music, it turns into musician, one who plays the music. So you can see how music completely changed when we added this suffix. So that's just one little example of how an entire word shifts with the suffix. And you can see how it expands the vocabulary so rapidly when you do this. It, of course, it's it's a process. You have to learn it over time. There's so many different things to learn, but it will really expand your vocabulary. Um, and you want to make sure you're choosing that right suffix. Again, you want to make sure it's the one that works for the word and doesn't sound awkward. And we want to figure out how to make meaning. Making meaning is critical. So. I want to give you an example of a few words. And the root word is vert, and that is Latin for turn. So we have the words avert, introvert, convertible. And they're all different words, but they have this root vert in each one of them to turn. So if we look at avert, uh, the A, this pronounced as that, uh, the beginning of a word, is Latin for away. And vert is to turn. So avert means to turn away, like avert your eyes from the accident on the road. Turn away, you know, turn away. Intro is Latin for inward. And then you have your root word vert to turn. So turning inward, she is an introvert. She likes to spend her time alone reading books and gathering the knowledge of the world. That would be someone who is more of an introvert. They're turning inward. The last example is convertible. So con is Latin for with, and then you have vert to turn. And ible is Latin for able. So able to be turned. So if you have a convertible car, you're able to turn it into something else, take the roof down or whatnot. So this is how kids can take unfamiliar words like introvert. And by using their knowledge of root words and affixes, they can discover the meaning of the word. Sometimes they still have to do some thinking for the word and have it make sense to them. But if they learn that the word parts for introvert mean to turn inward, they might still need to think about what does it mean if a person is described as an introvert? So you see there's stages in this development of this vocabulary. Okay, now I can take these things apart. I can put them together. I can use context, derive this meaning from the context of what someone is either saying or from what I'm reading. Look at the keywords and around it and say, okay, I think I'm gathering that this means this in this context. No, it could mean something different in another context. But there you are. Um, and when we're trying to figure out um, how we can put these things together, what you can do is you can make a list for kids. You can have them go through and you can have them 
pick a few that they want to use and actively search for it while they're reading. You can also have them um, draw out one, if this is of their a little bit higher grade, maybe they take one un, let's say, as a prefix, and they think of all the words that they can put as a prefix and put it together there with un. And there's videos that you can watch online, and there are specific lessons that you can purchase um, to give them more of an intensive, structured uh, experience of that. And I'm sure teachers would be more than happy to give more support around that as well. And if you need our support, we are more than happy to help you. So thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please follow me on Apple and Spotify or any other podcast platform. And to get more information on speech and language therapy, you can visit my website at vibespeechtherapy.com. Thank you.